I'm Fathery. This is Dave. I'm Aaron. And this is Text Track. Engage. Welcome back to the Starship Texas for the 222nd installment of the Text Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we take a deep look at Star Trek old and new, and tonight we are talking about Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, Episode 19, the first part of the season finale, Supernova Part 1, written by Erin McNamara. This is actually her first uh, writing credit as a as a uh, full writer. She's been a uh, assistant in the writers room. So uh, so great job, Aaron. I think this is a a good uh, a good first writing credit to have on your resume. And directed by Andrew Schmidt. So uh, this is a a big episode. You know we we've been building up to this for what nineteen episodes, fourteen months. Uh, it's it's been a it's 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 been a lengthy trail to get here. I wasn't gonna I wasn't going to make up a, a pun for that that terrible song I'm supposed to sing soon, but. Uh, but before we dive into that, just want to give a quick shout out to all of our amazing Patreon supporters. That's Starfleet Boy, Kick is Eternal, Gay Clevin Lundstrom, Crazy Dutchie, Joanne Robertson, Quarksbar, John Dawes, Sci-Fi Haven, and our anonymous supporters. Thank each and every one of you so much. I hope you're all having some some festive holidays and we'll have a, a happy new year. And uh, to you know, celebrate our patrons, we're going to be doing our monthly watch party in uh, January. On January 14th, we're doing the second moriarty episode ship in a bottle so follow up to our december watch of elementary my dear data getting ready for his return in picard in february but that's mm-hmm. all coming up very very soon and so uh yeah if, if you want to uh take part in that you can join the patreon and uh come in at whatever tier you you want to help us out at you can come in as little as two bucks per month if you want to be more generous we have some additional perks as well but you can get into the monthly watch parties at uh, at any level you know, if you can't do that, you can always rate the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast or uh, subscribe and like on YouTube. It is appreciated. It really helps out. And yes, I will be singing my least favorite song of all time. Dave, I don't know if people believe me when I say that. Like, that's not hyperbole. That's honestly like my least favorite of every song I've ever heard. And, and I, I try the... to. I, you know what? I bet there's something you like <laughs> that that's worse for you. But I understand. I believe for you, it's the fly in the ointment that is uh, Star Trek. Uh, like uh, that, that's what makes it that extra worse for you. Like, I feel like I, I, I could just it. pick, I could find something just much more awful, but, uh, but because this one is associated with Star Trek, it hurts you. Yes. Yes. I saw a video last night of Kathy Lee Gifford doing kids like music from the, the nineties doing a Christmas <laughs> thing. It's like, that was worse. That, that, that was yeah. <laughs> like I said, I can, I can go searching, okay. but it's, it's, I pretty, appreciate pretty your low. pain fathery and I will revel in it. Yes, so that, that's going to happen. Not tonight, though. One one week from now, I'll be singing it. So so come back next week. Uh, I I promise I'll I'll, I'll deliver. Uh, th- those of you that are, are evil sadists or have terrible taste in music, I'm sure you will enjoy it. Bring us into the new year with 
with those tones, fathery. <laughs> Show uh, us what 2023 can be. Well, okay, we'll we'll see. <laughs> that's not how I wanted to to close the uh, the the book on 2022, but uh, but I am thrilled. <laughs> That we did hit our goal of 1,000 subscribers. Yeah, on YouTube, that's that's so. the bit really the big the big yeah. story here. Don't let's not bury the lead under Fathery's utter humiliation. <laughs> um, so, so thank yeah, you yeah, everyone be... who who helped us. If Absolutely, you, if you shared, retweeted, what you know, posted on on your socials or you know, subscribed or, uh, or whatever you did. Uh, you know, thank you so much. Uh, it it is really really cool that we pulled that off. But yeah, one other thing. I know that we're coming up on the end of of Prodigy's first season and it's going to be a very sad time for those of us that have gotten spoiled by weekly star trek because we're going to have six weeks i know it's it's unspeakable but six weeks of no new star trek coming out uh so that is that is very sad however oh my gosh it's a new desert uh, <laughs> there, there's a a shining beacon of hope uh out there by the the wormhole in the bajoran system the old uh, Cardassian space station, Deep Space Nine. Dave and I will will resume our DS9 talks. That's a lot of fun. If if you haven't seen those, he is watching DS9 for the first time. I'm watching it for the 47th time. So we have like, two really cool perspectives to compare notes on. And uh, we've we've already done the first five seasons. So we're gonna pick up with with season six. You can see me go. What's a Cardassian? <laughs> As I experience it all for the first time. Well, you should by season six. You should you should have picked up on that by now. Terrible memory. Or in TNG, even. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's 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 been super fun, and we're we're hitting the we're hitting the big Dominion War the the, the, the some of the highest heights. Yes. Yeah. The Dominion War seasons. So yeah, that's that's also going to tie into Picard season three because they said that uh, that show's going to deal with some post Dominion War stuff, which has not been really touched on or explored in anything else. So it'll be it'll be cool to see how all that connects in early 2023 all that out of the way though let's uh, talk about some star trek prodigy i'm gonna quickly recap this episode supernova part one by reading the official synopsis and i'll kind of expand on it with spoilers but the official synopsis reads surrounded by the federation armada the crew attempts to stop their ship from destroying all of starfleet you know, we have some ship-on-ship ship action, as y'all made fun of me for saying last week. But yeah, we, we see Starfleet <laughs> ships tragically tearing each other apart. Uh, they they become infected by the, the living construct, uh, the, the Diviner. Another thing we predicted, the Diviner makes a uh, heroic self-sacrifice for uh, yep. for his daughter. And then turns into a Buffy vampire. <laughs> yeah, then, then well, I, I have some thoughts on what happens to him. The heroes... Uh, find out that oh even though we did like this really cool thing got like some other non-starfleet ships to come help uh that seems to actually not that's not going to save us because uh, all these all these other starfleet ships keep showing up and they, a, it looks like the federation is going to keep sending ships like what's happening to all of our ships someone go check it out and uh <laughs> so it's it's uh, this is like a jason's just stacking bodies in the basement uh, or in the barn they're like well maybe we better send some more people to the barn <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it was actually I thought it was kind of a clever way of the living construct. Like, how how do you take out like as many ships as quickly as possible? Like, oh, if they start like slowly shooting at each other and they send out like their automatic distress beacon, then like yeah, you'd think like okay, uh, you, eventually they're probably gonna catch on, but like dozens and dozens of ships are gonna get in the catastrophe of that battle before you're able to stop it. So. The, the, you know, I have to give the uh, von Vonnegut mm -hmm. saying it right credit that it's a, it was a pretty devious creation it's been very devious lately uh, screwing around with the uh, hologram janeway 
uh, disrupting communications, uh, like turning off the universal translator, and uh, pretty successful at its main goal <laughs> so far. Yeah, I wonder if you know, like the main goal is like it's basically all of the ships destroying themselves. And I'm wondering if there's going to be a message of like Starfleet is more than just ships because you can destroy the entire fleet, but Starfleet still will mm. exist. There still will be, you know, it's just there. There's sort of like are they going to destroy the you know their own planets or like is it it's just like how far does the the construct go i will say this out in the audience uh i don't know if i'm saying is if it's tara or tara um yeah. but uh was saying i don't believe we're going to have a i don't believe we're not going to have a time travel reset which would mean no yeah. one is dead and mm -hmm. i certainly have considered the possibility of the time travel thing because man um well father am i am i up for uh first uh, uh, sure. Just I just want to quickly interject two things real fast. One, yeah. I've I've been saying for weeks that I think the season finale is going to be time travel. I think that's what we're getting in episode twenty because yeah. they're, they're going to save Chakotay. So it, it certainly seems like that is that is as likely as ever. And two, uh, Aaron, you just quoted Michael Burnham when you said Starfleet is more than just ships. She says that in season three <laughs> of Discovery after the the burn wiped out all the the ships with the. This makes more sense than the burn. This would have been more interesting. <laughs> yes, yeah. This is definitely Absolutely. more. Uh, this, this definitely feels more um, believable. Uh, but Dave, uh, please just go ahead and give us your, your broad impressions on Supernova Part 1. Right. And uh, the, the reason I was going to segue into it was, um, you know, uh, I feel like I there was about 15 minutes of just ships being phasered and photon torpedoed, whether it was like right in our face or in the background happening. Uh, it was it was a level of um, destruction unprecedented for this show. Uh, and so it's certainly a level you know, of ship on ship action. It's not how I would put it, but yes, that is absolutely correct. <laughs> With Flesh Janeway in control. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, this we're going off the rails. Um, no, um, you know, this is just part one of two, and I got to see how the second one goes. But this has all the earmarks of like a really a, just a really fantastic finale. There's 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 big heroism and big sacrifices and, and big losses too throughout the whole episode. They came back around to the theme that we noticed cropping up of uh, communications and the importance of it with a uh, multilingual Gwen uh, really, really pulling their fat out of the fire uh, in this one. And, uh, you know, I love seeing those themes show up. I, I, you know, Father, you said that you make a note whenever you have some sort of particularly emotional reaction. I think there was probably about three times in this episode when I had some sort of significant kind of an emotional response, whether it was the... Oh my God! Did uh, Dahl just uh, kiss Gwen? Yes, he did. Uh, uh, um, the the some of the last words of uh, the Diviner, if they prove to be his last words. I'm I'm a little torn as to whether I would want. I, you know, time travel is such a staple of Star Trek that I can't really fault him if they do it, and it's, it'd be a, a cool way to potentially teach it to new new viewers that this is you know something that a place that Trek goes sometimes. But I also I kind of do want to. You know, I, I the some of the sad things that happened I want to have still happened so I want the emotional weight that it had uh, in there but anyway overall great roller coaster ride uh, with with big ups and downs I'm super hyped for the actual finale to see where this is headed and and I liked it all you know it felt like the the cast or the crew was really gelling in this one doing all kinds of cool. You know, Dal was firing off commands. They were working really, really strongly in sync, even though they were up against pretty insurmountable odds. Just so many scenes that were really awesome in there. Great fight scenes, uh, some good action. Um, 
that, uh, yeah, I'm hyped. I, I feel like I almost can't quite fully judge the episode until I see where it all lands next next one. But I was I was fully engaged. Um, so I I really liked it. Aaron, what was your uh, broad impression on this episode? It was super cinematic. I think that's one of the things I, I felt like. One, it felt like it went a lot longer than it actually did uh, in a good way. Um, and two, it's just like I can imagine seeing this on the big screen. The 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 and. I think what was really great is that they knew when to not have music and just let the ships basically being destroyed in the background be the only thing that you hear and see, even though you wouldn't really hear them. Uh, uh, you know, like we've seen Dal, like you said, everybody gelled so much better. Dal has just stepped up and, and our whole conversation we had last week or the week before about, you know, what is Dal going to think when he can't join Starfleet? And it was just... He, he stepped up and he's like, fine, if I can't join it, I want to make sure that you can. And it's just like, that is not Dal from beginning of this show. Yeah. So I just I was really just happy with how the emotions of everybody, just how it was all stitched together. It just it just it just flowed. It kind of makes you it's one of those things that makes you think, oh, it's too bad they didn't have this level of control over the arcs of, say, Wesley Crusher or some of the other characters that start out in, a, in one place. Yeah. And you really want to see grow, especially because they're young characters. Nog. Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, Nog is kind of he's he's like the the proto prodigy. Proto well, the whole time I was I've been watching Deep Space Nine, I felt like he was a response to to Wesley Crusher. A yeah. let us show you how it's done, <laughs> <laughs> uh, without without being so in your face about it that they're like insulting anyone. But it did it did feel like that. <laughs> well, yeah. For me, I thought this this episode had like a very beautiful moral and, and message to it or i'm i'm guess i'm i'm stealing uh terminology from mission logs but they always talk about the the great mission logs podcast uh, they always talk about the the morals messages and meanings of of episodes and sometimes there's not one in, in star trek but often there is <laughs> I, th I think it, it, with this one in particular the moral was if you're a good person and you do good and basically like you put good out in the world eventually it, it will pay off you know it might not be immediate it might not always seem like it but you know eventually these these good deeds they they do they they do end up helping you in the long run and you know we see that with Janeway uh Janeway's good deed from Voyager that's going to be a cool gorn egg to discuss later but you know that came back to help her out here uh the because the federation has been a force for good in the galaxy you know when they put out the call for help they don't know if people are going to show up and then oh look like people show up so you know that was And cool. arguably father that's not like some singular deed that they did but centuries of right of of putting a, a philosophy out there and helping people yeah, yeah that, that's kind of you know how i try to like look at things in life as like okay like if i if i'm doing good by other people and you know if, if, you know maybe like every like you know 10 people that like you're like genuinely like nice to and like good to like you know maybe not all of them like some of them they'll they'll reciprocate and it'll it'll pay back to you and uh some it's kind of like a big picture thing that I think, like, a lot of times kids, uh, you know, they kind of struggle with, like, looking... I, we probably all struggle, like, looking at, like, the big picture. But especially, you know, when you're, you're younger, when you don't have, like, many years uh, of, of It's hard to be selfless. And, yes. Well, and it's hard It's hard to think about, you know, things in, in like, the long term. Right. Uh, you but, have no concept of it the younger you are. Right, The less right. concepts you have. Yeah. So I think I think it's a cool... It's, it's, it's a cool point to try to get across when you're, you know, you're doing, like, something, like, big and impactful and meaningful to the show like what they're they've built up to in the season finale so i i really liked that being at the heart of it 
and on a much nerdier level, just as a one of the Star Trek fans who's a bit of like a ship nerd, I, I love like the cool ships. It made this like really cool to see these ships in action, but also it was like soul crushingly tragic. These beautiful 1990s designs that you know I've I've loved since uh, first contact and DS9, but I'm seeing like these these beautiful ships just slowly like cut each other up, carved you know, like, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's there's people dying on these things. You're, like we see like things like blow up and like they don't they don't really like show it because they you know this is on Nickelodeon, but like we see like. We yeah. see like shots of like interior corridors on fires. Like, okay, people are dying. So that was that was intense. Yeah. That was a lot. If nothing else, I, I noticed that they alluded to it by having I think Janeway said we don't want any more unnecessary casualties. Mm-hmm. And casualties don't technically have to be deaths. So. That's true. Oh, that's interesting. But, I didn't know that. But there, yeah. I, I think there's they they show us shots of like people on these ships. We're like, hey, there's people on these ships, and then like they show us shots yeah. of like you know fire going down like the corridors. It's like, oh, they're they're well, trying to tell like us like. The, the, the Klingon bird of prey to sort of break up and you can like the, the bridge yeah. thing was starting to blow. Yeah. So it's like, they would have to be really on the spot to not lose anybody in the, that. The yeah. population of Stovocor increased during that, during that <laughs> shot. No doubt. <laughs> that woman sort of looks like or the, the Klingon woman reminded me of Grilka a little bit. Oh well, yeah. Like, yeah. Kind of like the same kind of like look to her. I was kind of hoping it would be her, but I don't really like to find out. Joel in the comments says they are, they are leaning into the wrath of Khan ship punishment, which uh, I agree, and that's one of the reasons I liked it. <laughs> it's it was it, I still to this day that is still the kind of the scariest ship combat I've seen in Star Trek. You know that kind of part of it was the intense music from James Horner, but obviously the editing and the direction and those sequences, seeing people. Well, Wrath of Khan showed people injured and dying inside the ship too, but out the exterior stuff looked like what I remembered of Khan. It was fun to see some of our. Of our predictions come true and yeah, I'm, I'm really curious, you know, it, we think there's going to be time travel, but you know, what will be undone? What won't be like the diviner's death? Is that going to get undone? Like this battle, is that going to get undone? Like, I don't know. So I'm, and, and I'm, I'm kind of, of two minds on it. I'm, I, I agree where you're coming from, Dave. Like, I kind of don't want to see like some of the sad stuff be erased. I, that kind of frustrates me when, when shows like when nothing has consequence, it all just gets undone. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, okay, I don't know if like, their big introduction into the Federation should be like this uh, terrible event that got like a bunch of Starfleet officers killed. So I, I, I'm right. just, I have to reserve judgment as well until I, I see how it unfolds next week. It just feels like it's so close to the events of Mars that like, how could this not be undone? Because there would be, I don't know, it just feels like those those two things on top of each other. They would have already lost so many ships that it seems like right, that, right. that would have already been derailed. They would be like, we're not helping the Romulans because we don't have any ships, you know, at yeah. all for ourselves. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious if, if we see Okana again, I wonder if that's somehow related to if, if time travels, like, hmm. you know, maybe we see him with both eyes and not a patch or something like that. I don't know. Hmm. He, maybe he can scrounge something for them to time travel. Yeah, it, something feels like, because they're, the writers are not that just sort of, you know, slipshot about having this character and then he just sort of, disappears and you don't know why and you never hear about it again unless they're setting up something where you know he like pops up in season two and you know they just wanted to like lay the seeds for it because this doesn't feel quite like this feels above his pay grade (laughs) but i don't think he's gonna pull a han solo and come in and like (laughs) Uh, no definitely not but but like he could you know they may be like we need somebody who can find something you know you know find this rare rare part find this crystal whatever find a time crystal he has a time crystal 
And they're like, they're like, well, who do we know who can do this? Oh, it's that piece of shit Okada who betrayed us. Well, and I was wondering, it's like the the betraying is like if there is time travel involved, maybe he takes off to do something for them in the future, like the current time or something like that. So we find out that Okada didn't really abandon them. Well, he did, but then it was to help them in the future. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe uh, if if he did turn up somehow, that would be a nice. A, a nice way to do something with him because I did the whole yeah. thing I wanted from him was uh, redemption uh, of some sort. It didn't even actually have to be like he he became like a, a good guy. It, you know, I just wanted a kind of a good story out of it. And instead, he was interesting flavor, but he didn't really provide any kind of story arc or big you know emotional catharsis or anything. Yeah. So I, I would like something kind of with him, and uh, that'd, be, that'd be interesting. Yeah. But I also can imagine that they they might have just wanted to get him queued up as a as a possible recurring character to use at some future date, yeah. and they didn't have a specific yeah. plan for it. They are, they are pretty good at planting seeds with this show, and you yeah. know, they, they, they tend to mention something a few episodes before it actually comes into play, So, which I always appreciate, what? and it, it, you know, it kind of shows, yeah, they actually planned this out pretty well. And they're so tied into the other shows and stuff, like the, the book mm-hmm. that just came out, Harm's Way, there are two allusions to, like, last week's episode, or the week before, uh, a prodigy, that came out, like, right before the book so it's like they timed the book to the point where it's like wow. if you had read it you're like i just saw that that's interesting that's wild yeah i'm uh, hats off to them we didn't get any okana this week but we did get jellico so pissed off jellico yeah pissed off i blame so him just... he said to send them all in and like so he, he agreed with essentia so it's his fault <laughs> <laughs> well aaron, aaron is a uh, is kind of biased against jellico i've i've discovered <laughs> the episode starts off you know with with the dauntless uh has has arrange this whole fleet to corner the protostar and angelico is yeah he's not happy with, with tysis and and he's like what do you mean that admiral janeway is is medically unfit for duty like what you know what's going what are you doing over there just like <laughs> just board that ship and just, just stop them it shouldn't be that hard it's almost like they blamed him for doing or them for doing something to her <laughs> it's like what? she was fine when i left her what happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah so th- i i kind of like all the confusion on like what the hell is going on with janeway like for real like she was i talked to her this morning she was perfectly normal what, what are you going on about tysis but yeah you know like i'm trying to think okay yeah no no shooting has started yet and he's already pissed off i wonder how he is after the shooting starts oh, yeah. i hope we see him i hope we see his reaction to that yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of glad. I guess they don't they don't have any swear words on on here, but I just I just picture I just picture Jellico like losing his mind. We see like these ships start shooting at each other. He'd probably oh, just, yeah, yeah. He probably probably have a bit of a potty mouth when that happens. I, I wouldn't mind Jellico. Whatever else he was, he was never a cowardly guy. He's a very bold kind of person. Um, I I could see him wanting to be on the front lines. You know, thinking he mm. could you know uh, pull off some kind of you know strategic coup. That would uh, turn the tide of the battle. It's not his show, so I doubt that'll happen. But uh, I, I, it does seem like the kind of thing I, I could see coming from him. Get it done. <laughs> yeah. That was his catchphrase. Oh, he's actually thinking like Larry the Cable Guy. Y'all remember him? The not very funny comedian, but his catchphrase. I prefer like, not to. <laughs> Get her done. Yeah. That guy was a racist asshole. He is was a racist he? asshole. Yeah, man. I... Um, Think uh, Middle Eastern epithets and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I, that I've sucks. Seen, seen some bits and pieces. Uh, well, now I know what happened to him. I mean, I just assumed people stopped watching him because he wasn't that funny. Actually, but... I think he's still around. I think they still do those oh. blue collar comedy tours and stuff like that. So he's probably doing fine. He's just a little under the radar. But yeah, um, you know, I don't know. Did Jeff Foxworthy, as far as redneck comedians go, is he okay? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't, I haven't thought much about him in, uh, in <laughs> years that begin with a two. <laughs> our weird, uh, our weird side story. <laughs> So what else? What else we have that that isn't redneck related? 
<laughs> uh, we have a uh, Janeway's Janeway's prison escape. We were wondering like how ah. is she going to get out of the out of the brig? What a cool scene. Yeah, yeah, so th- it was what I was talking about, where it you know it ties into a very specific Voyager episode that if you've seen it, cool. If you haven't seen it, it you still kind of get the they they explain all the important details. But uh, basically, uh, she she saved some helpless people, and then one of them grew up, and in return saves her, and that's I love that. I love the message of that. You know, I don't know if you remember, but one of the things I wanted from Picard was the kind of a callback to some of the episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, what I really specifically wanted was a callback to Dar Darmok. Um, but, but I also, in general, I liked the idea that some of his, the people he helped of the many, many, many people he helped over the course of TNG, I wanted somebody to, to kind of show up somebody recognizable or a very recognizable species when we'd go, Oh, from that episode. And, you know, they'd, they'd, they'd help him out in his time of need. And yeah. this, this well, that, was actually that happened that happened in Picard season one. What was, who was the person or what, what alien? Hugh. Uh, that that is that is true. It's, it's it wasn't in a way it wasn't quite what I was thinking of. Like well, it wasn't I know you like were, you were pissed he got killed. But the... yeah, no, I know. But also Hugh showed up, but he was working mm-hmm. on the like what they call it the reclamation project or whatever. Yeah, the artifact. He, but he wasn't like he wasn't a guy who specifically went out of his way to rescue Picard. I guess that was his contact. Like when he like landed on there, and he's like, "Oh, we gotta like get this girl out of here." And Hugh was like, "Okay, I'll help you." Okay. Uh, we, we talked about that. If I'm pretty sure that was text track number 97. If you go, people go back and listen to that. Uh, me and me and Dave talk about. Uh, Hugh... I, I guess I should say this. Uh, although I I, I've lo- I did like Hugh's appearance up until the end. Um, this was kind of the sort of thing I was thinking of. I should mm-hmm. say this kind of staging of it, uh, where you're like, oh well, literally there's a moment where like, how do you get out of this? And then you're like, oh. I have an ally that I cultivated years ago, and I didn't even know it because you don't uh, you don't do the right thing to cultivate allies. Always, sometimes you just do the right. You, you should be doing the right thing to do the right. 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 Yeah. For half a second, I thought she was going to say she was Naomi Wildman. I'm like, she really should recognize her if that's the case. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do. That's not her. <laughs> I do hope that we see Naomi Wildman in in Star Trek again at some point. I've been serving on a ship with you for a year now, and you haven't noticed me. Like, <laughs> Hopefully, she fares better than Echeb. <laughs> Let's not bring up dark kids. times. There's there's <laughs> enough darkness in this episode without that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Aaron, you were uh, a fan of the uh, slippery dipsy doodle <laughs> maneuver. Yeah, <laughs> I I LOL'd at that. Yeah, it was like except for the name. <laughs> I didn't laugh at Jankum saying that, but I laughed at Dal being like, "Never call Dal, it that again," yeah. or <laughs> whatever, whatever. I think he said everything you was. just did was amazing, except the name. What you called yeah. it or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, except for the name. <laughs> yeah. That was great. Uh, yeah, that was dope. In fact, just in general, I will say that a lot of their all the the sort of escape and flight uh, through the fleet was very cool. Mm-hmm. So, I think um, Aaron, you said cinematic, and and absolutely it was. I, I actually noticed a few musical cues here and there that reminded me of not to. I, I don't think, mean this in a bad way, but they reminded me of some John Williams style musical cues from Star Wars. Um, what one that reminded me of the Imperial March and. Uh, Another that reminded me of some of the orchestral stuff that he did when um, with the Falcon, I think in like Empire Strikes Back, uh, that had a little bit of like a sense of sort of majesty and grandeur about them. And, oh yeah, um, yeah, I can and, see that. And, and and you know, I think for you know, I, I don't necessarily want the music of Star Trek to emulate too much Star Wars, but this this was the kind of thing where I think just that that big orchestral sweep. This was the kind of episode to do it in, you know. It's a, it's a it's well, a and big... Star Wars is replicating like you know the the. Oh shoot! What is it? The something of the planets, and there's 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 other things that Star Wars is actually kind of for sure, so for sure. They're not necessarily original to begin with. 
everything <laughs> in Star Wars is kind of borrowed from something else. And I'm not, I'm not saying that I, I, I tease the other it's Star bad. franchise it's a just, lot, but like, yeah, yeah, that's part of the beauty of it. Right. It's, it's a poly- it becomes kind of a fresh new thing, but it it's a synthesis of many, many existing yeah. <laughs> elements, including some Star Trek. There's a, there's a healthy amount of Star Trek injected into Star Wars. Sure. I love Dal's just the way he his just his, his even his posture change and everything. He was like very captainy, you know. It's just like there's something where like the way he he leaned on the the armchair and when he was giving, mm. like he was almost like he was becoming Kirk for half a second, but not not like a not like right. a parody of it, but just sort of like oh he's has a command style. I think a lot of the times he's sort of self-conscious and you can almost see he's like a person who's playing at being captain. As much as he tries, he's playing at it here because he had to be in the moment. He was the captain. Yeah, 100 percent. And He's doing like good leadership stuff. He's like, you know, trying to like keep morale highs. You know, you, we've we've been in worse stuff with less. Pra- Although I don't, I don't know when they've been in a worse situation than this, but you no, know, I, I get oh, what he's trying to that. say. All the Kobayashi Maru tests that they took, uh, and just that you know, which felt real to them, I guess. Um, but uh, honestly, if if ever they face the Kobayashi Maru, this is it—the the, actual a, a true kind of no-win scenario for them. It's like all of the all of the bad news kind of hits them all at the same time because you know they're they're worried about people trying to board the ship. They're trying to like you know gear up with with weapons and stuff and. And so he thinks he he thinks he has like his opportunity when Gwen's like I need to tell you something. He's like, "Oh, she likes me too." So he 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 gives her the kiss, then is immediately rejected. Then he's told like, "Oh, by the way, you're not allowed in Starfleet ever because you're an augment." And he's like, "Wow, that sucks." And it's like, "Oh no, now our shields are down and we're being boarded." So it's like when it rains well- it pours. I would love to hear from uh, uh, parents or anybody who watched it with like younger kids, because I, I want to know if this episode kind of had that effect that it w- I, I think it would on me. And, you know, like I think of effect of sort of anime and other shows that uh, that allow for these kind of darker episodes, because, yeah, I think they wanted they wanted to gut punch you with this episode. There's just no doubt about it. They wanted you to work like it ends without there's not like some final thing where they're like. You know, at least we can try this, you know, uh, like, you know, at the end of uh, Fellowship of the Ring where they're like, you know, let's hunt some orcs and, uh, you know, Sam and Frodo are off and there's at least got a little bit of hope and stuff. But mm. no, this is pretty much all bad news when they cut to credits. Yeah, yeah. yeah as far sure. as like children's shows, it's not like, you know, G.I. Joe where somebody falls out of an airplane and a river and a parachute appears. Somehow. And just like, <laughs> I remember watching Robotech like for the first time when I was a kid. It was just like or a teenager. You know, they had people die, and it was just like, "Wow, this is an actual story." You know, <laughs> so it's, I I kind of appreciated that, and I think if I was a a kid watching this now, I would appreciate that it's it's not treating the children or treating the audience as kids, basically. Right. They're right. You know. I think um I think generally yeah, like uh, kids certainly uh, younger viewers kids are they can understand more serious drama. They can understand uh, things that turn dark. So yeah, I I, res- I respect that it respects him. <laughs> yeah, but I think it, I think it was you, Aaron, who pointed out earlier that when he does get like that news, like okay, you're not going to be allowed in in Starfleet. He I loved how they handled this because he does decide he's going to okay. I, if I can't get in, I'm going to do everything I can like to help y'all. So I'm still going to you know try to help fix the situation. But before he does that, he does say everyone deserves a place to belong or something like that. So he acknowledges, like, okay, that is fucked up. They're not going to let me in, but I'll I'll just accept the reality of it and do what I can to help y'all. So it's like he he still knows like that's not fair, 
And so I'm, I'm real curious uh, how how he's going to uh, react, you know, when he actually gets to talk like to some yeah. Starfleet people. Like, is he going to be like bitter? Is he going to be like, maybe I don't even want to join up with y'all? You know, if y'all don't want me, I don't want y'all. Or like, you know, what are they going to yeah. do with that? Point out the hypocrisy of some, like some of yeah. those uh, the Starfleet rules that you're like, oh yeah, if you're an outsider, that seems kind of, you know, not right. Remind me, I I, I always I keep on uh, sort of blurring where where timelines are. Prodigy uh, occurs. Uh, where does Prodigy drop? Uh, so this is a couple years after Lower Decks, and uh, right now a few months before Mars gets blowed up by robots and Picard. Okay. And uh, do we know, like, is there a history that, that basically does does the augment thing ever get overturned that we know of? Not that we know of. Okay. Um, but we also, it's like... like he chose to be augmented either. That's what gets me. It's like, okay, like in Bashir. It's like neither of those were their like fault so i don't know it's like if you didn't choose to like what are they going to do i'm going to well, go out and make more augments like no they're not i mean it's like i don't get i mean i guess their notion you know it's kind of like mutants in the marvel you traditionally in the yeah. marvel universe they're like they're at least viewed as somehow inherently dangerous so it's like whether you have good or ill intent you're just a little bit too dangerous to not be in some way regulated which is so weird compared like you think like you can have they want to like make peace with you know planet eating gas clouds but they can't let somebody who's like had a gene change so now they can read somebody's thoughts or whatever it's like i don't know there's just sounds like uh sounds like you're uh pulling a is it samuel cogley is that cogsworth what's his what's his name who's the lawyer samuel oh yeah 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 um, yeah it sounds like you're ready to you're ready to argue Cogsley, this right? one i <laughs> i think that's a good uh that that'd be some good evidence to bring up there we should do like a, a, a put it on trial yeah a, I, I think that'd trial. be interesting it is is not not exactly a trial friendly show, but, but yeah. uh, you know, we, we this I, I know this did come up in in our previous discussion. You know whether they could handle it, and I think they they could without be a little brisk about it. But are, are there future stories? Is there stuff in Picard about augments being a no go? No, it's never like they they could like the next episode they, it they could, could be like yeah it could be like yeah. the Federation Council has like overturned that rule and right. now augments we never are hear about it in Discovery in the thirty second century so mm-hmm. I think that'd be a neat thing to you know a neat big change to happen in the span of uh, you know from Prodigy you know which which some people yeah. might not quite you know they're like ah oh, I never got around to that one uh, I just figured it was a kids cartoon I, I don't know what's all about it give them it give it a little bit of you know can- canonical cred obviously yeah. we know that yeah. this, the writing is good too but as as just on a canon level. Yeah, I mean, speaking of the other Star franchise, they, they do, like, big things in their animated stuff all the time. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we like to see we like to see Starfleet evolve. This would be a mm-hmm. this would be an evolution. It certainly fits thematics for 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 how we want these shows to go. Well, we got some really cool action, not just with the the ship on ship stuff that I keep talking about, but also when the when the baddies beam over. And uh, I, I like how like how mean they are, and they knock out everyone in that transporter room. But then when they come onto the Protostar, you know, we have phaser battles, we have Dreadnought going crazy. Uh, th- that was a cool boss fight. Kind of everyone, everyone but Gwen gang- gangs up on Dreadnought, and they still get their asses kicked. This is where we should uh, give a, a, a quick uh, shout out slash credit to um, uh, one of oh, our yeah. regu- long time uh, viewers, listeners, uh, opinions. No one cares about is 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 uh, what what he he. Uh, goes by uh mm-hmm. and he said uh that he wanted murph versus dreadnought a couple episodes oh, back it. and boom there it yeah. is this this dreadnought was pretty hardcore <laughs> though um 
he wrecked him, but good. But like, it's not like uh, Murph didn't uh, get in his licks. Plus, the attitude we have come to expect from him. <laughs> I'm okay with it. I've I've accepted that our little baby slime worm is growing up, and I'm okay with cocky Murph. I I like him. I liked him. I liked him. <laughs> Teasing Dreadnought, he was showboating, and he he got you know he got too cocky, and it, uh you know yep. then he got he got frozen against the wall. Yep, yep. They uh, they all got dropped, uh, and that's good. You know, like you know, I I want my bad guys to be effective too. They you know the heroes got a they're, they're you know the old adage heroes as good as the villain as their villains. The gravity mine was a cool weapon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice way to do things without like <laughs> killing people. Um, Slice through you. Or is, something is there? Like that. I'm trying to think. What was it that presumably these get the um, Vonnegut uh, are not exactly shy about uh, killing their opponents? There seem to be lots of deaths going on in the background in this episode. Is there any particular reason why Dreadnought shouldn't have theoretically, other than this being a all ages show, killed them? The only thing I can think of is that, like, in case they had like command codes or stuff. They they, they did mm-hmm. kind of you know make a big deal of that a couple of weeks ago in Ghost in the Machine about Dow having the, the command codes for the computer. So I'm thinking, like, okay, maybe he was keeping them alive for that. Uh, but yeah, it did, it did seem odd to me. That, that's kind of a, a mental gymnastic. What did, what led him to leave the battle? Was he like, hey, we need you up here? Or they, were they like, we need you on the bridge? Or did he just done. did he just like walk away and he was like, that's that? He goes to help yeah. the Vindicator. I mean, she probably told him, like, I, I'm, I don't know if we can trust the Diviner, so I'm going to need you to be my backup. Uh, right. So come come to the bridge and help me out. Uh, I I assume it's something like that. But yeah, he just seemed to be like going up there to help her. But... I don't I don't mind that he didn't like you know kill them. Sure, <laughs> it's yeah. just it, it's I, I understand that though. they're that 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 you know the episode needs yeah like they they need to find a balance of him being threatening but not murderous. It, it's it's a fair uh, it's a fair nitpick to bring up. He it does kind of make more sense if he would have been yeah lethal, but in, in some ways like do that. if they had like been able to throw up like a uh, you know like some kind of uh, door or something like that that would cut him off that he's like oh well i could cut through this but it would take like 10 minutes or 15 minutes and uh you know i i'm obviously needed on the bridge now you know that that could have you know you could have very quickly kind of come up with a reason to get him out i liked i liked that fight too the bridge fight between gwen and the vindicator mm. but the way yeah. that they both have their their fretwork weapon i don't know it kind of felt like i keep quoting lightsabers I keep, <laughs> I keep bringing up the other star franchise but it did it felt kind of you know we have like it chip on ship dumb. action it's kind of like having like the fretwork on fretwork action. It's like yeah, it's like two Jedi fighting with lightsabers. We have like a Force Ghost possibly coming. Who knows? Yeah, we, like... have, we have a, <laughs> um, a Darth Vader in the, uh, Kenobi death. In the in the comments, uh, Tara said uh, uh, throughout this suggestion about um, Dreadnought that it's because he was uh, he was handling slave labor. You don't want to kill your labor force. Reasonable explanation. Yeah, except that was a different Dreadnought. That was a different a different robot. Oh, that is true. It was oh, yeah. a different Dreadnought. Yeah, fair enough. The silver one. This is the gold one. And ultimately, like you know, we can theorize all we want, but you know, ideally, they should have thrown out some little, given us something to uh, an actual in-story thing, but not a giant. Speaking of like the the all ages stuff and what they what they do and don't show in regards to death and violence, I didn't even notice this when I was watching it uh, initially the first time, but when the diviner uses his his weapon on the vindicator you know when he's like before i had a daughter this belonged to me and he he launches the weapon at her and she catches it and throws it back you don't actually see it stab him in the guts they kind of they cut around it but the way it's Mm -hmm. edited you don't notice that you're missing anything so that was cleverly done yeah there was no doubt that that was basically a kill shot kind of thing uh, on her part 
Right when he, uh, right when he was gonna have his chance, uh, <laughs> she, what was it? She says you were always the weak one, or something like that. Yeah. Which we've been sensing that that was what she felt about him. This is something they're probably not going to address, or it won't ever come up. But it's just like this society had something happen to them, and so their reaction is to basically kill like millions of people like who knows how many people like at the end and and cripple an entire like galactic federation (laughs) that's like someone if they they get saved somebody needs to like sit down and have a serious conversation with them and figure out why they're evil because i mean that's like that's really yes i mean people get upset when like you know or get want that revenge if somebody destroys their home or whatever but there seems to be like a level of why don't you just go back and help yourself? Why do you know? I don't know. There's just they could have gone back and told themselves, "Hey, ignore these Starfleet guys." <laughs> yeah. Well, these are these are just the assholes who survived the Civil War. I guess. Yeah. That that could right, be. Right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, these people okay, killed right. all of the reasonable Vonicott, so it's only the yeah. unreasonables survived. <laughs> I think just because of the world we live in, I'm having sort of one of those the reaction to very to reactionary people it's a sort of yeah. am i correct reaction it's just like am i correct that the vonicott um were are they broadly isolationist like they they didn't have a, a, a empire or anything that spanned other planets they no, were just that, their own that was their their whole thing was that they they thought they were the only intelligent life in <clears throat> oh, the galaxy right. so when yeah. they met starfleet and they're like oh we're not alone that, that like shattered their all their cultural beliefs and so they right. had like this big rift of the the people who wanted, oh, let's go join this intergalactic community, and like the people who are like, no, we we should just right. stay I- isolated. And so it had the sort of shattering effect of you know like of like sort of a, almost like a of destroying almost a religious belief of theirs yeah. or something yeah. so culturally ingrained it had the intensity of religious belief. The 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 Saurians or whatever the the dinosaurs in Voyager that mm-hmm. uh, believed Distant that they were origin. the only distant origin. Yeah, that was the, those people that, that believed that. They were like that. They they had always lived there or wherever they were. It was like they they were not refugees from a planet. That right, right. They actually Earth. were. They were like literally dinosaurs evolved or something, right? Like Earth yes. dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Exactly. And so I, I guess you know uh, we've t- I've mentioned this all the time, but like the show kind of does big sweeping things. That's the nature of an all ages show. But um, yeah, it seems like they. The Vonicott lashed out in just pure anger. I don't really get the sense that they were like, oh, gosh, I hope we don't destabilize the galaxy with this. I think they were like, they ruined us, we'll ruin them. Yeah, there's even kind of a irony to how they're how they're approaching it. It's like, oh, they they made us kill each other and fight each other, so our weapon is going to make is, we're going to make their ships fire on their other ships and you know, we're we're gonna basically force a civil war onto them and see how they like it. It's almost like they made it go slower. In quote unquote real life, it feels like that that battle would have been over a lot faster. Like mm-hmm. they would just shoot and, and like just oh, yeah. pretty quickly because they can. Uh, but this almost feels like no, we're just going to make it happen really slow. So you have to watch. Right, all I think of your a lot of them, fellow... if not all of them, had shields down, which you know you can carve a ship up pretty quick with no shields. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, they. Exactly. Um, you could also uh, they I don't think they're going to get gr- this granular, but, you know, it could be that it's as the construct is taking over, they are ramping up the you know, it's increasingly taking over doing heavier weapon damage. Mm-hmm. And maybe it starts out a little smaller or maybe it's yeah, it's maybe yeah. it's sadistic. Yeah, I, th- um, I think they're trying to draw yeah. it out just so you you get more SOS distress signals and yeah. draw more and more. Oh, no, that's true. Yeah. And that I think this sense. is probably just like an artistic 
choice. Like they wanted to stick with like the red color motif because it doesn't really make it like oh yeah. all your lights turn red and your your deflectors <laughs> yeah, turn red, your your warp nacelles turn like that it doesn't. But it, you know it looks cool. It looks scary. Yeah. Uh, but there's only like red torpedoes. So like they're shooting photon torpedoes and no one's shooting any quantums like why aren't there blue quantums i'm like oh it's because like they're trying to they're trying to go slow and draw it out to attract more and more ships makes some sense i wanted to quick mention one or two comments that jill made in the in the in 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 our comments um oh actually there's the one i wanted uh uh she said this is amazing in the first 10 eps i thought the diviner was a truly scary villain then I found out he was the weakling. <laughs> Watch out! Um, and yeah, that was that's that is a really neat neat thing for the show to do uh, is to be like, oh yeah, there's there, it actually gets worse. Um, and then Jill pointed out um, when we were talking about the Vonnegut planet, what is it? Sol Solon Solon Solom Solom. Uh, she says, I think half are xenophobes and half are curious. Remind you of any other planets? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sensia slash the uh, uh, Vindicator. Vindicator, yeah. She she was pretty pretty hardcore in this episode, uh, just taking him down, you know, laughing at her, you know, her people and her victory. You know, she was she was full evil. Yeah, and, and you know, like I said, as a as a ship lover, it is it is heartbreaking to to watch these. Mm. It's like, no, y'all are all so beautiful. Stop shooting each other, please. And you know, I felt for the. Um, We'll get to it in a minute, but the rescue fleet gets uh, carved up, too. Those guys yeah, are just like, sucks. they were just in there to kind of basically act as shields. And uh, and they're like, oh, we got it. We got it. Oh, we, we don't got it. <laughs> yeah, like these good Samaritans, like they show up like, right. Starfleet saved my home planet during the Dominion War. I'm going to go help them. Oh, no, I'm on fire. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Are we at the point where we want to talk about how they uh, how they acquired that um, the, that help? Yeah, so when the the heroes escape from Dreadnought's traps and and gang up on the Vindicator, she does like the uh, the classic '80s cartoon thing, like when Megatron and Starscream are like, "We'll beat you next time, Autobots," and they they run away. Well, yeah, um, and he did the same '80s thing of like not shooting at her, like just shoot her, <laughs> yeah. just don't let her do her monologue. Just yeah, don't. she does the uh, the Cobra Commander slash Skeletor. <laughs> Dreadnought was in the room and could maybe have just like oh, blocked, blocked. But that's cool. He's he's an instant escape pod. So you, I you thought can he was going anything. to to form a mech armor on her. But he probably could oh. do that. But instead, yeah, yeah, he was like an escape pod launched right through the freaking uh, ceiling. Brief moment of uh, vacuum, and then the uh, you know they inst- auto repair thing blocks it off. But uh, that was that was a cool and intense sequence. Oh, by the way, I just want to quick. I want to rewind for just a second and just mention. I really, uh, I, I appreciated that when the diviner is dying, that he, you know, he made a point to call his daughter his her real name. He called her Gwendala. What was it? Uh, oh, I write it. He he says, uh, "You are my daughter, my spirit's song." And I really liked that. Mm. I was like, man, this guy. Um, I, I can't say that he, uh, this is kind of a Darth Vader type of sequence where it's like, well, did he redeem himself? Well, he's already done a bunch of terrible things. He oversaw a, sl- a slave prison colony. Uh, but I hope for at least for her that it was a redemptive moment. Uh, it's something a lot of parents experience or that like I've, I mean, I don't have any children, I don't think. But like, <laughs> it's, it's it's something that like I've I've heard people describe like after you have a kid like it's no longer like your life isn't like the you know your instinct is no longer like about protecting yourself it's about like how do I protect like this right. other life that becomes like the top priority in in your existence and so uh, the fact that he had that like he had like a, that gave him like a little bit of of peace and 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 solace as as he as he 
died. Yeah, that 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 is true. Um, he he may have uh, you know, and that's you know good for him for at least for the person he had the potential to to be, uh, even if he didn't really get to experience it much. Um, uh, you know, and again, that's why I I I kind of I hope he's I hope his death sticks. Um, just because it was it was pretty well handled and dramatic, he got last words and all that. It'll be a little disappointing if they kind of undo it and you know Gwen is able to be like, oh yeah, I'm reunited with my dad. Uh, you know, at the same time, mm-hmm. I hope she's reunited with her dad. <laughs> so, but uh, on a dramatic level, I hope she's not. <laughs> But would she even exist if this didn't happen? Because they, she was depends, I guess, on how far back things got altered. Yeah, you'd have to. Yeah. In Star Trek time travel logic, there's a precedent for either option. They could, they could have her still exist. Like, Sela exists even though the Enterprise, even though like Tashiar never should have been alive to have sent to be sent back in time. But like, Sela still exists in the prime timeline. Yeah, Yeah. Um. But also, like in there, there's another example where a character did get erased from from time that I don't want to spoil because it's in season six of DS Nine and Dave hasn't gotten there yet. But uh, much appreciated. Very like it depends on the plot. Like yes. that will tell you what kind of time travel and and rules that, that you will be going by for sure. Do we think that his disappearing um, was a time travel thing? Like he's his body returned to the future? No, I th- I think that was just like his a vonicott thing like they i don't know they turn into energy or something when they die it, it kind of looked you know how like their foreheads glow sometimes it kind of looked like it it tied into that i don't know if it was just like to have a uh visually interesting moment for his death and also like to clean up the corpse on the floor of the bridge or sure. maybe maybe they are going to do like some type of like obi-wan kenobi force ghost thing i i don't know but what i would the, here's the way i can see them having their cake and eating it too with the diviner is that this is old Diviner from the future who came back in time and died. Young Diviner must still be out there somewhere. And we know he was less of an asshole when he was younger because the Vindicator said, like, you were one of the weak ones. You wanted to side with Starfleet initially in the early Mm. days. So there's maybe, like, a cool young version of him out there that we will cross paths with. I I think that would be a cooler thing to explore. Yeah, there's definitely possibilities for him. One, by the way, one another plot thing that his disappearing body serves, which is that they don't have to like go through the oh, get him to sick bay. You know, a person could probably survive being stabbed in in <laughs> a, on a protostar sick bay. So, but here it was like, no, he died pretty quick and and disappeared before there was any chance to really do a hey, let's try and revive him. Yeah, and then they they wouldn't have had the opportunity to talk about it because that's when the universal translator goes down and Jankum is speaking Tellarite. Yeah, you know, Rock Talk <laughs> is speaking Brakar. I guess Tysus. I would think any Starfleet Academy graduate would be able to speak English or AKA yeah. Federation standard. Standard. Uh, I think you could kind of excuse this as like, oh, just like in the heat of the moment, he was like speaking in Dorian and, and people were like, well, we can't understand you. And he you know, maybe took a, a few seconds to figure out what was going on. But when she said, you know, go to the escape pods, it's probably she just, I mean, that's, he should have got that. Yeah, like escape pod. Like, oh, she she didn't try like the charades like like previously, like yeah. the old Earth tradition of charades. Like, get in, the, get in the escape. They already pod. did that. They've, they've got it done already. So <laughs> they can't do charades twice. They got it done. Jellico would be proud. Yeah, <laughs> but it gave Gwen the chance to shine, and and Dal immediately, you know, surrenders the captain's chair. He's like, okay, you're in command now. We need the communications officer. So get to get to communicating. 
Yeah, he even like very specifically named her captain in that sequence. Yeah, that's another good leadership thing is like when when you know to uh, to yield the chair to someone else. Arguably, yeah. this is the episode where Dal more than ever before, um, or you know, completely um, uh, was able to surrender his ego. Yeah, definitely a a later season Dal. <laughs> Yeah, so he's he's really uh he's really grown. I remember like those first few episodes, people just being like, "Oh, I hate this Dal kid. He's all these other dudes yeah, are kind of likable, but I don't know about him." But <laughs> you know, it's funny. Early on, I was like, kind of like Team Gwen as far as like I'm like she should be leading. She's clearly like, despite her origin, she's more mature. She's she's more on the ball. A little seems a little more quick witted. Um, and uh, you know, of course, they did some really good stuff with Dal. They won me over. Um, but it is funny that uh, his great decision in this is to put Gwyn in charge. <laughs> uh, but it was his notion, right, to, yeah, to uh, contact uh, Federation allied or Starfleet allied, but not Starfleet sh ships so that uh, they could um, get help. And her ability, uh, her her sort of uh, broad expanse of languages, what did they say? The Diviner taught her different languages so she could turn other races against each other, but mm -hmm. she was going to try and use it to bring them together. Yeah, and I like the uh, the Klingon captain. Really cool thing about her casting that I'll, I'll mention in the Gorneggs later, but I, I really liked her presence. Like, almost like she kind of enjoyed it, like when she showed up to help the Dauntless. Like, oh, look at like this big badass Starfleet Admiral yeah. on like this big badass ship, but you know, don't worry, these, these brave soldiers of the Empire are here to help you out, Starfleet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there was like a little hint of the uh the uh, one of the klingon themes in there right when they first pulled in i think a little bit of that it klingon like it, i think yeah yeah you know that mo star trek motion picture variants that they've, da -da -da -da. they've spun many C composer <laughs> nami <laughs> has, has really done an impressive job on on prodigy Absolutely. and strange new worlds and i i i briefly kind of talked to her yesterday uh we were both in the comments oh. on the uh, strange new pod stream going on uh, I just you know said hi to her and she said hi back. But I'm I, I I would love to like get her on the show at some point if we ever have. There's just always so much new Star Trek to talk about. We it's hard to find time for that kind of stuff. But I don't have much vocabulary for talking about uh, music. But but I do. I am a fan of film music and and that kind of thing. So I I if we can make it happen at some point, it would be amazing. Yeah, you, you've you've interviewed enough creatives over the over the years. Like for but, sure, I I think we can come up with we can come up with some good stuff. How do you make those sounds? <laughs> <laughs> is it like uh, is it like the guy in Police Academy where do you do it with your mouth first? I, I'm very confident that's exactly how it works. In fact, I I think that's uh that that's probably the uh, John Williams method in that other Star franchise. But... He's just making submarine sounds and stuff. <laughs> That's how Ben Burt does it. Like, like when he does TIE Fighter screaming, he's yeah, just like, of course. <laughs> we are getting into the exciting sequence in which we get to see a bunch of other ships that are not just, I thought I was like, Oh, it's going to be all Klingon birds of prey because that's easier to animate. That's fine. It's still a cool rescue moment, but then suddenly we get a bunch more. Yeah. The, the fun part of that is Jenkum Pog being the big ship nerd that he is. He geeked out. Yeah. It was like watching us. <laughs> he seemed most excited about the Ferengi ship, interestingly. Yeah. I don't know quite why. Was he just like, that's nuts, a Ferengi? Oh, okay. <laughs> I wonder that or, well, that could be, or it's just suddenly he realized he could actually understand people. Because that seemed like oh, that happened at the same time. Mm -hmm. so that maybe was right around when I think it happened. Yeah, so I was I was trying to figure the same thing out too because I'm like that seems like a weird thing for him to be that excited about. I think he's just a big he's a big ship nerd as like the as the engineer. But he it's the yeah. way he said it though he said it with extra oomph. 
<laughs> well, they they had been on one of those ships. They they were on one of those ships in the episode first contact. Oh, yeah. So maybe mm. he was like, oh yeah, that ship was like really cool. I I love like getting another look at it. Also, it's it is just kind of a. You know, when you name things, sometimes you kind of do it in threes, and um, and that might have been, he's like, they got this, they got that, and they got that! You know, it's just, it's the third one, it's the big it's kind of thing. Yeah. But um, I, I was excited to hear the Gorn mentioned in, the, in a positive light. I, yes. I have not, the, one of my few complaints about Strange New Worlds has been, I, did, I am not really on board their super feral, all, can, you the know, monster Gorn. Yeah, there's Xenomorph Gorn. Uh, I would like it, I like this because this acknowledges that uh, possibility of brokering peace with them and all that. Yeah. And uh, did, did, I did we actually see the Gorn ship? Or was yes. that one off screen? Yeah, it's very, very tiny, yeah. but it was there. Nice. It was one of the few. That was actually a new asset they would have had to have created because they already had the, the bird of prey. We saw that crashed on on Murder Planet, the uh, the Ferengi Decora. We saw that in First Contact, the uh, Talarian Freighter. That's the same ship as Okana that was uh, landing on that, that, that funny, outpost yeah. that that uh, Denoxy Depot. Is there any chance it is Okana? Uh, possibly. That would put mm. him there. That wasn't one of the ones that <laughs> blows up, though, was it? Like, <laughs> maybe, uh. maybe, maybe we should hope it wasn't. Or maybe we should hope it was, depending on how you feel about O'Connor. <laughs> he was a big jerk. <laughs> I, I heard somebody talk about they might have been models from what they made the uh, the Eagle Moss ships from. Yeah. They had to have 3D models, so they might have mm. used those. That, that's a very safe assumption at this point. I think the, the, the fan community, the, the ship nerds out there have uh, confirmed that that is uh and and Aaron can I can I mention what the other Aaron Aaron Walkie the writer producer on Prodigy told you about oh sure the reason yeah. why there's only four ships I think so this this was before they had worked out the deal with Star Trek Online where they were able to use all of those ship uh. models like what they did with Picard so th that's what they were a little bit more limited when they made this uh which is which is cool you know if this is like oh we can do even better than this now going forward i mean this is already yeah. pretty damn good i do have one one complaint that was, is that is the, i was happy the, to see vulcans in there uh yeah, yeah. The, the, my my issue is with some of the names of the ships are repeated mm -hmm. oh yeah you mean like as as written on the ships yeah like all of the sovereign mm -hmm. classes are all uss sovereign oh i see with the enterprise e on the the, the yeah. cell that's a little too bad i didn't uh my, my tv's too small for me to notice it. 90 percent of the people who ever watch this though like n yeah. no one no one's going to care but the the 10 percent of us that like get on the internet and talk about these episodes scene by scene. Like, of course it's all going to be like, you know, <laughs> obvious to us. 90% of the people who watch Star Trek though, don't do this. So they'll be fine. <laughs> Not a huge deal, but it'd be cool if they could do better in the future. That would have been a nice thing for them to uh, mix it up a bit. But yeah, I guess we should just go ahead and get to the, the, the ending where it's like, they think that they've saved the day, but like, Oh no, these ships just keep coming and keep coming and keep shooting each other. And uh, there's no apparent way to stop this. What the hell are we going to do? Yeah. Cut to black cliffhanger. Yeah, she used the word. Uh, I think Gwen is like, we can't stop the signal. We can't get out of here. It's annihilation. <laughs> oh. The end. It's a kid's show. <laughs> That's also an episode name, I think, isn't it? Somewhere. <laughs> Operation Annihilation. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was yeah. Okay. TOS. Or Operation Annihilate. Yeah, which oh. as a kid, for some reason, I would, and still like every now and then I have to stop and think. For some reason, I always want to get Operation Annihilate and the Doomsday Machine flipped around. Yeah, I, I yeah, I do the same thing. I don't know why, but also as a kid, I always thought Conscience of the King was called the Con Science of a King. 
because uh, <laughs> English is a stupid language and that's how it, it looks like it should be pronounced. I was like, I wonder what conscience is. Must be some weird future thing in Star Trek. <laughs> I have many, uh, many a word like that learned, uh, learned through reading, but not, uh, not heard pronounced. Oh yeah. Yeah. As, as comic book dudes, uh, we, we experienced that when, you know, th- until they make a cartoon or a movie about it, like, you never hear some of the stuff said out loud. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and and the the writers of comics historically uh, have pretty pretty expansive vocabularies, uh, so they like to they like to drop that stuff in there, and <laughs> and if you're a kid and you don't know, no. His name but... is John Constantine. Damn it! <laughs> it is uh, clearly it is. It really is. But I still like to say Constantine. I think they made fun of that on the uh, CW, like uh, when they're all together. The uh, absolutely uh, makes sense. One of the crisis they... ones. Yeah, if they, yeah, if honestly, right. if they didn't, it would be weird. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, this is um, as endings go. This is their, you know, this is like this basically feels like how it felt after Khan's first attack. If this was Star Wars, this is how it felt at the end of Empire Strikes Back. Uh, they are they are in the worst of the worst situations. Yeah, that's a really good uh, parallel. The end of, of Empire, it does feel like that for sure. Yeah, almost like, even less hopeful because, like, at least there, like, we got to see everyone like. Okay, we lost Han, but everyone else is okay for now. Everyone else got out of danger. Like here, it's like, yeah. How long is the Proto Star gonna last? You know, hanging out in the middle of this battle. Like, uh, I mean, I guess with uh, with Empire, we we had to wait like a couple years to find out the answer. So it helped to have some hopefulness in there. Uh, here we we've got a week, and then and the Proto Star can navigate. I'm assuming that, like I don't know why it didn't just like get, just move out of the way. Then like they're all shooting at each other. They could get. Away, away. That's true. They could they could flee More. the scene, but then what? I guess yeah. they could go. Yeah, they could go towards Earth, towards Starfleet HQ, and be like, "Hey, Admiral Jellico, please stop sending yeah. ships." <laughs> and he'll probably be like, "I don't believe you. I'm going to send more ships. <laughs> you don't tell me what to do, kids. I'm I'm the admiral here." That's Mars in the background, right? So they're they're right there. Oh, is it? Is that? Is they're within our solar system? It, it looks like Mars, that's... but I don't. I, they yeah. they named the star uh, Ga- Gamma oh, Serpentis, or I, I think is how oh, you yeah, say right. it, they're... which is a real star. Uh, but yeah, I think yeah, that's where right. they Sorry. are. But they're they're within Federation territory. If they go to Earth, then then I need that um that communications officer that go, to go, sir. They're on a direct heading for Earth, uh, <laughs> Star Trek motion picture style. Yeah. That comms officer was like in some sort of seventies kids show or something like like. She absolutely was. Um, I and I have no idea what it was, but she's just something familiar. Yeah. People brought up, and I started thinking of it when I saw all the uh, just how many ships were getting taken out, or just so many shots fired. That brought up Wolf three five nine, and when I started to think, man, it, it does feel like it could be that bad. Uh, just we're just not seeing kind of the casualty levels really, and that's what made me think they they have to. Ha- there must be some time travel thing. That's that's gonna that's gonna come up. We yeah. know. I mean, that's the Vonnegut's mo. Uh, so presumably, yeah. And and I think we will maybe get some sort of like you said, Father. They've got options as far as how that could play out. It doesn't necessarily mean everything will be undone. I'm interested to see what happens. I think they have painted themselves somewhat into a corner as far as like the level of destruction that they like. I just don't see them just letting it slide. It's a little much. Well. We've we've talked a lot about like our predictions for these these final episodes, and uh, the, I I'm very confident still. I remain extremely confident that we're going to get an extended Chakotay sequence. 
in in the next episode. Uh, we know that they cast a voice actor for his Aurelian first officer. So, like, that guy's got to have some screen time if he's going to be talking, you know? So there, there's got to be yeah. some stuff going on with them. Yeah, get him developed for when we get the Chakotay spinoff. <laughs> Is that what they're, they're... I'm just thinking ahead. I'm just working. I'm just playing. Yeah, I mean, they need something to replace Picard after next year. You know, there, there's a there's an open spot on Paramount Plus, so. Yep. Is it Garrett Wong? Let let him get his moment in the sun too. Bring him back. Fleet Admiral Harry Kim. I need that's, that's who Jellico reports to, right? It's it's got to be a Fleet Admiral Harry Kim. <laughs> He's like, I need this wrapped up quick. Kim's on my back to get results. <laughs> he'll be, he'll be the mayor equivalent. He's like terrified. Of... He's like that that dude is a is a freaking maniac. Like he's he's gonna kill me if I don't, if I don't get this mission done. <laughs> Not Kyle. He's so mean. <laughs> But yeah, if uh, that's all we got on the on the episode, we'll go ahead and go into the Gorn Eggs section of the show. This is where we like to talk about the Easter eggs, end jokes, and continuity connections that are worth mentioning. Uh, starting off at the beginning of the episode, we get a uh, quote of Starfleet Order 104, Section C, uh, in regards to medically unfit officers being removed from command. That's been mentioned several times throughout Star Trek. They've, they've name-dropped uh, Starfleet Order 104 Section C a few times, but the very first time we ever heard it was in The Doomsday Machine. Iconic. You gotta get that Matt Decker off the bridge, yeah. man. Commodore Matt Decker, but he may or may not recognize your authority to relieve him, so keep that in mind. <laughs> Be a difficult customer to handle. Uh, but in, in that same scene, that security ensign, who does not have a name in the, in the end credits, I think it actually just says security ensign, voiced by... Uh, Protostar computer voice actor Bonnie Gordon and Aaron's friend Bonnie Gordon. Right on. So uh, glad to uh, glad to hear her. She's like, I got to share screen time with Janeway, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I saw her, I saw her uh, Facebook post about that. That was cool. I mean, it's it's honestly it was one of the one of the coolest scenes in the episode. It's not just not even just some random like I I have a, a little report to give to you, Captain. It's a it's a dope scene. She rescued her. Yeah. The uh, the the Benari aliens they were in the episode uh counter countermeasure counterpoint countermeasure right counterpoint oh counterpoint counterpoint because okay. um, like the music it's the counterpoint of uh, that was the, the piece of music they were playing there, there were some binari children though in that episode and then there's one in particular she looks like she's maybe like 13 or 14 a little older than the other kids i think that's who she's supposed to be which makes sense timeline wise this is 10 years later so that's i think that's fair that's a good call Oh yeah, a good episode of Voyager. I recommend it. The Starfleet ships that we see, uh, you know, we have. Uh, I, I talked about these these last week. the The Sovereign class, the Akira class, the Centaur class, and the Defiant class. Yeah, they they are actually named. The it's confusing because we do see some close ups of some of the Sovereign class nacelles that say uh, the Enterprise's famous iconic registry number NCC one seven zero one E, but as far as we can tell, all the saucers are labeled USS Sovereign, so let's just headcanon. The, the Enterprise and the USS Sovereign were both there, along with some other ships. So the uh, the Akira classes were the Thunder Child, which that was the Akira class that yeah. we saw in, in First Contact, that big Borg cube battle back in 1996. Uh, the uh, Centaur class there, the, the USS Centaur. That's uh, Dave, you, you just saw the ship in uh, Season 6 of DS9 when, when Cisco is, is kind of undercover, that Jim Hadar ship, and they're like, oh no, the Centaur is chasing... They must think we're actually a Jim Hadar crew. Right. Who's the guy who's the captain? He's like, that's 
blah 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 shit. Yeah, like I knew him from back at the account. I mean, it looks like he died in, in yeah. Prodigy because of the bridge gets shot. By <laughs> Probably had uh, a. Oops. Yeah, his, his wife and kids back on Earth are receiving a uh, Federation flag folded up in a triangle. <laughs> hey, he might be on another ship by now. That could be some other hapless captain. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, the, the Defiant is actually the Defiant, so. Uh, post post DS9, what's going on with the Defiant it's in, in this battle, apparently? Yeah, the Defiant was wrecking shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it never got shot at. I noticed that. It shot, but didn't get... get... I would imagine it would be a particularly good asset uh, for um, the Von Nikot's plans yeah. in this one. And it has a, a very narrow profile, so it is hard to hit. So th- th- there's actually a good reason mm-hmm. why they, there might not be uh, many many shots of it uh, yeah. getting hit. Uh, but with the uh, the non Starfleet ships, we have the the Klingon Bird of Prey, the uh, Vulcan Surak class, the uh, oh, and also like a it's not very big, but it, it's uh, barely on screen. But the Gorn uh, trading vessel, the Ferengi Decora, and there's a Talarian freighter or whatever freighter it ends up being. <laughs> yeah. they, they just had a Talarian freighter in uh, Lower Decks not that long ago, so that's kind of that's kind of funny. Oh, yeah. In the the sequel Isn't that to Crisis general point? shape kind of used as a freighty, freighter for a lot of different yeah like they the, depending on how they change the modules it's, it's not quite identical but very similar to uh cassidy yates's cargo ship on ds9 um yeah. the uh teller there's an old tellerite ship like the one jenkin pog was sleeping on is also there so it felt like they were kind of using everything they had established earlier in the previous uh 18 episodes uh, but yeah if you're a ship nerd this episode is tons of fun and I loved this, the the Klingon captain. I, I really liked her, uh, uh, Trij, or however you, you say it. But she oh, is... T-R, T-R-I-J or something like that? Yeah. But she is played by Deborah Wilson, who was uh, an actor on Mad TV. Oh, yeah. And she actually was in Star Trek before. And speaking of DS9 season six, uh, she is heard in the episode The Sound of Her Voice. She's uh, Captain uh, Lisa Cusack. I think yeah, uh, but so you you hear her voice in DS Nine. Now you hear her voice in uh, in Prodigy. So that was cool. Uh, always always check the end credits on these uh, animated shows, like these voice actors. It's really cool. Like a lot of times, like like with Bonnie, like they they reuse some of their people sometimes for different characters, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, or you know here Major you know, Barrett of a... Prodigy. Yeah. <laughs> so Star <laughs> Star Trek has uh, never been shy of like reusing uh, voice actors. You know James Duhon going all the way back to the original series doing that oh and even like the excalibur and the guardian of forever they were both voiced by the same dude so uh we'll we'll double dip on the on the good voices you know why not <laughs> uh, but yeah that's all that we got with the uh, the gorn eggs uh, i would love to hear what people out there listening thought about supernova part one though so uh please don't be shy uh share your thoughts with us you can comment on youtube you can reply to my tweets on twitter you can always uh Talk to us on the TextTrek Discord server or in the TextTrek Facebook page. Uh, links to all of that in the description wherever you're watching or listening to this. Dave, did we receive any subspace transmissions about last week's episode, Mindwalk? We, we did, but I would like to just say there's something we kind of glossed over for the episode, and I don't think we need to, to touch on it heavily, but... The but it, it's one of those things I'd love to hear what people are saying about it, and that is the uh, Dal Gwyn kiss. Now it was just a moment he misread her. Doesn't necessarily mean that there wasn't something there, but that's not where her headspace was at the moment. Uh, but uh, it was it was a sweet scene. It was kind of funny, um, and I, but I would like to hear what people say. So for future subspace transmissions, next week's subspace yeah. transmissions. All right. So for the episode Mind Walk. 
Uh, I want to um, uh, begin with from from our YouTube comments, opinions no one cares about, who we mentioned earlier, says, uh, I've never been a fan of the body swap genre, and then Star Trek comes along to fix that. The ep this episode <laughs> and Spock Amok were so good. Um, uh, Wolfram Hart on Twitter, uh, similar place, says body swap eps make me cringe, but watching Dal as Janeway was hilarious. Janeway as Dal showed why Janeway earned her pips calm, supportive, listens to her crew, and risk-taking. The voice actors did an amazing job. Commander Meg in, on, in Twitter says, uh, I thought it was spectacular, but I'm getting very anxious for Dal, considering how the Federation might treat him. Uh, lastly, <laughs> I wanted to mention one more from, actually, from opinions no one cares about. Uh, Dal wakes up as Janeway, stumbles to a reflective surface, sees who he is, and screams. Totally predictable, don't care, loved it. Uh, so it seems like people had a good time, uh, good time with that episode. Uh, really, some really inspired, uh, some really inspired stuff. Very nice. Well, uh, that was a big, big one for me. That was a big win with with Mindwalk. But I really liked this too. I might, I might like this just as much. I got to see what happens in part two before I can say. But yeah, just, uh, I mean, if you can end your season well, it's very. I think it's a very awesome thing. It's it's it, there's there's an especial oomph. It's like wrapping up a movie strong. Mm -hmm. It can it can almost re it can redeem weaker elements. And and honestly, Prodigy, Prodigy very quickly got on its feet, so it's not like there's a, there's not really anything to redeem, but they they could really wrap strong. So fingers crossed. Yeah, I'm I'm very very much uh, looking forward uh, to seeing what they deliver to us in the final episode of the season. And as sad as that is to say uh, goodbye to new Star Trek for uh for six weeks. Uh, don't worry, after after next week's finale discussion. Dave and I will be uh, going back to uh, home sweet home, as I like to call it, Deep Space Nine. I feel like I grew up there. Uh, so uh, Jake and Nog are like my big brothers. Yeah, Hanging out on the rails with uh, uh, yeah, Jake and Nog. Dangling my feet <laughs> on the on the upper deck of the promenade and then Odo coming like yelling at us. Who wouldn't want to so, be there? Yeah, that, that'll be fun. And then, for, of uh, course, self-sealing stem bolts. Yeah, all the, the self-sealing. So there, there's a, at least one stem bolt. Rev no, I'm thinking of season seven. I bet still bolts get mentioned somewhere in season six. Still don't know what they do, but <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's uh, that's always fun for us to talk about. So if if you only check out Text Trek for like the the new episodes, I encourage you go listen to some of the DS Nine stuff Dave and I have already done. We've already covered uh, five of the seven seasons, and yeah, those those don't get as big of a reaction online. They, those don't draw as big of a crowd. But I get so much positive feedback when we do those. The people who do check those out really really love them so I, I encourage people to check it i think i think it's uh, a lot of fun because i i'm always curious to get dave's reaction and it's stuff it's stuff i've been thinking about literally for decades <laughs> at this point so I was, and I'm, it's exciting to me because to, to be quite honest it's it's you know some of the best trek i've ever seen and so you're gonna see me freaking out over some of the stuff i've seen uh you may see reactions that you normally don't see even on stuff i like uh it's, it doesn't necessarily hit the heights that, that Deep Space Nine has been hitting. So, Well, cool. So looking forward to all of that. And of course, new Picard, new Discovery, new Lower Decks, all kinds of new stuff coming in 2023 as well. So mm -hmm. that's going to be it for for this week. Uh, again, uh, enjoy the holidays. Uh, happy, uh, happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Uh, whatever else is going on this weekend, have uh, lots of fun and come back next week. We'll be live Friday at 7 p.m. Central, and you can listen to the show wherever you get your podcast. Until then, as always, live long and prosper, y'all. Listen to the Text Trek podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at text-trek.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash text-trek. 
and follow Fathery on Twitter at TXTrek. Please support us by liking our videos and subscribing to our channel on YouTube. Thank you and take care.